Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 308. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. Earlier this week, I returned home from five glorious days spent in Homer, Alaska, which has become one of my favorite places in the world. It was my fourth trip to Alaska in the past five years and my third to Homer, where Peony Farmers and Slow Flowers members Beth Van Sant and Kurt Wyhand of Scenic Place Peonies offered me the most generous hospitality, friendship, and flowers. I was surrounded by flowers, not just peonies, which of course steal a show, but all sorts of natural and cultivated beauty in their high tunnels and the gardens around their home, as well as along the field's edges. That beauty also lured today's guest to Scenic Place Peonies, and I couldn't pass up a chance to record this interview with Kelly Shore, owner of Petals by the Shore, based in Olney, Maryland. As the featured floral designer for last weekend's Field to Vase Dinner at Scenic Place Peonies, produced by the Certified American Grown Program, Kelly Shore brought passion, sensitivity, respect, and love to everything she touched. The tablescapes incorporated both peonies and other foraged and cultivated botanicals, all from Scenic Place Peonies. And beyond that, Kelly shared Beth's vision that the table designs reflect a sense of place, of Homer itself, of the fishing culture there, and of the rugged beauty of the state of Alaska. I'll let you hear more from Kelly, and please visit deborahprinzing.com for episode 308 show notes to see more images from the breathtaking dinner setting and fun behind-the-scenes shots of the wonderful team that came together to make this dream a reality for everyone involved. First, though, a little more about Kelly. Much of this introduction is excerpted from the January 2017 article that I wrote for Florist Review Magazine, which accompanied an extensive series of beautiful photography uh, that Kelly produced called Four Seasons of Floral Design. Kelly Shore began shopping at the local farmer's market in her community several years ago. She was enchanted by the unique, fresh, just-picked flowers on offer and struck up friendships with the vendors, becoming a regular customer at the Olney Farmers and Artists Market located in Olney, Maryland. Having begun her career at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign Campus Flower Shop in 2000, Kelly later worked in retail and freelanced as a wedding and event floral designer, while her boyfriend, now husband Joe Shore, was deployed in Iraq. 
Kelly and Joe moved to the Washington, D.C. area in 2010, where she expected to put her master's in education to work as a teacher. But classroom positions were hard to find, so she returned to floristry, not realizing it would become her lifelong profession. Through friendships with other florists, she networked, studied, and expanded her wedding and event floral design business, calling it Petals by the Shore. Petals by the Shore serves wedding clients in Maryland, Washington, D.C., Virginia, and Pennsylvania, a densely populated area where, Kelly says, everyone seems to come back to when they get married. Kelly and I met briefly in 2014 when I spoke at the Chapel Designers New York Conference, but our friendship and mutual admiration has been cemented in 2017 thanks to the many ways our work has overlapped and interconnected. A few months after we collaborated on the Florist Review article, I was asked to recommend a floral designer to take the lead on the First Lady's Luncheon, a time-honored nonpartisan event that is produced by the Congressional Club. 2017 was to be the second time that certified American-grown flowers were donated and designed for this luncheon, and I immediately thought of Kelly as a candidate for the role. She joined the project and collaborated with Margaret Lloyd of Margaret Joan Florals and Christy Halsey of Colonial House of Flowers, two other Slow Flowers members who've designed for past certified American-grown events. I have to say, I think Kelly felt like it couldn't get any better than being part of the featured design team at the First Lady's Luncheon. And then she was invited to take on the peony-themed decor for the Field to Vase dinner in Homer last weekend. What a year she's had, and I think you'll be inspired by her story, her commitment to working with flower farmers wherever she can, and her vision for changing how wedding and event flowers are sourced and used. Please enjoy our conversation and check out the show notes to find photos, links, and more resources, including how you can attend a few upcoming Field to Vase dinners for later on this year in 2017. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to introduce you to Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Deborah. How are you? I'm great. It's so fun to be with you. Uh, should you do you want to tell everyone where we are? We are in Homer, Alaska, at Scenic Place Peony's Farm, um, and we're sitting here looking out at a beautiful morning, um, overlooking some glaciers. Yeah. Who would have thought that you'd be here? Uh, a year ago, if I said, we're going to spend July in Alaska playing with peonies, you would have laughed. I would have laughed. Um, this is a dream come true. Um, and it's still surreal. And I know I'm going to walk away tomorrow when I go home just so full of happiness, but almost like it was a dream. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's just a different... It's magical up here. And I think I heard that word so many times yesterday. So um, the reason that we're here at Scenic Place Peonies uh, in Homer, Alaska, being hosted by uh, Beth Van Sant and Kurt Wyhand, Mm -hmm. uh, amazing flower farmers and friends, is that you were the featured designer at the Field to Vase dinner last night. Mm -hmm. Um, The first ever Alaska dinner uh, held on a peony farm. And you had so many moving parts to this composition and design. Do you want to just sort of summarize your what you created and what the mood was and what materials you used? And we'll have photos so people can see uh, how this looked. Um, well, I can kind of start from uh, when I was asked to do it. Um, I got the call about um, two months ago um, to see if I was interested in being the featured floral designer. And that's not 
something you pass up. And I, I was coming up here already. Um, I had done the first ladies luncheon with American grown flowers and, um, Beth and Kurt came down and were two of my, uh, volunteers. They were amazing, hardworking, hustling people. Um, just jumped right in, became friends and family with the rest of us. And, um, I just absolutely fell in love with them and went home and knew that this was a place that I wanted to go. It's, I was going to make it happen. Um, and I had the weekend available. So I, uh, bought a ticket to come up here. Um, you were just going to come and be a guest and enjoy yourself though. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I featured floral designer wasn't even on my radar. Um, so when that opportunity came, I, I was just truly taken aback and blown away. And, and I wanted, um, in my conversations with Beth, the first thing she said was, I want the dinner to reflect Alaskan culture. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And because by the way, I haven't told everybody you live on the other coast. Yes. We're, you're based in Maryland, right? Yes. Okay. North of Washington, DC. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, 17 hour, uh, travel time here. <laughs> it was great. Um, so yeah, so I I only saw pictures. We FaceTimed um, multiple times to see the property. And oh, so she would like walk around with mm-hmm, her phone she, and... We'd go into the um, high tunnel. She'd show me what she was growing specifically for this dinner. Um, she planted last year um, because, you know, their, their farm is peonies they don't grow the other flowers but we knew that for the she knew for the table designs that she would need um annuals perennials other things yeah um, so she planted um foxglove and larkspur and bupleurum and dahlias and um dusty miller oh my goodness the list goes on Mm -hmm. there was just so much variety and um uh so I would look at, you know, on FaceTime and I would, she would send me pictures. And um, the the main part here is that you overlook the Ketchumac Bay. And that's, you know, the life of this community is the water, the fish, um, the fishing community. And um, Kurt, uh, best husband, is a fisherman. So I wanted that to reflect. I wanted when they walked into the dinner that um, they just felt at home and that it wasn't, you know a DC vibe or it wasn't, you know, a Southern vibe. It, it was, it was Alaskan. Right. So, um, you know, my mind started twirling right away. Like what, what could I incorporate? And, you know, I love kind of like props and pieces other than flowers to tell the story. Um, so we lined the tables with fishing net, um, from Kurt's supply and, um, like, weathered worn oh like has been used fishing that so it looked authentic yeah it was definitely authentic yeah cool um i came in on mondays so i spent the first two days just kind of gathering up supplies i um scoured the beaches for driftwood and um there are these beautiful gray rocks just these solid um thin rocks here that um just line all the beaches and i thought well, we have to have those because that's what you see here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we gathered up sand from the beaches to um, put into our candles. And um, also Beth and Kurt gathered um, Japanese floats from the fishing nets. And then we put those on the table. The, the, the blue glass. The blue of, glass. Yeah. yeah. Because one of the big parts is we wanted this glacier blue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because when you look out um, from their property, the mountain range changes in different variations of blue throughout the day. And so um, we wanted that. And then I knew that I really wanted to highlight um, the pink peonies on the Mm -hmm. farm, the pinks and the corals, just the vibrant colors. Um, You know, 17 varieties grow here, which is mind-blowing. Did your head blow up? (laughs) I did. I mean, I spent every day going out in the fields and seeing a different flower. And even on the same plant, the flower would change. Um, But in regards to the design, everything on the table in the tent was from the farm, from the community, Um, not other than um, the beautiful syndicate sales, American-made vases. Mm -hmm. Everything was from here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we told a story. Mm-hmm. We told a story about Beth and Kurt and their farm. And we told a story about the Alaskan peony movement. And we told a story about Homer. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I and really think people, um, they understood the story. They felt it. They connected with it. I felt like what was on the tables, the tablescapes, um, drew the eye out to the to nature. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you actually oriented the tent or somebody decided to orient the tent so that the glaciers and the bay kind of were right there present with what we're seeing on the tables. Yeah, that it was, was our really- backdrop. And that was, that was Beth. Um, she had an amazing vision for everything on this property. Um, you know, while she's not a designer, she is an incredibly creative person <clears throat> and one of the hardest working women I've ever met. Yeah. Um, and she just, had thought about this, I mm-hmm. mean, for the past year and dreamed mm-hmm. about it. And um, she knew that I could execute it for her. I was going to say, together, you guys yeah. uh, had a real harmonious collaboration. Yeah. And she would say, I want, you know, this, and how do we make that happen? And <clears throat> a lot of it I had to figure out coming on site here, but I came in with ideas and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had to bring in tools and syndicate sales was wonderful and sent in um, a bunch of supplies. Yeah. Because, you know, this isn't a floral design studio. This is a peony farm. And right, right. So the pack house where the peonies are processed became the design your design studio. studio. <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting this week. So um, the woofers and um, her interns and, and everybody that works for her, they had never really seen the peonies um, in open form. Right. Unless, you know, they had ones that broke or something and they, mm-hmm. they have random vases all over the pack house um, for that. But um, they saw me working with it and they loved, they're like, oh, I never saw that peony open like that. Wow. This is what it looks like. Because they're used to ca- yeah, they're ha- harvesting like, oh. and shipping, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, <clears throat> you know, in bud form, it doesn't look that pretty, but when it's open, holy cow. I mean, six inches, a, 10 inches across. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. The size of the peonies. Like, I wish everybody could come here and see and experience because it is nothing like what we, what we get in the lower 48. Mm-hmm. And the peonies, you know, in the lower 48 are magnificent in themselves. But this is a whole different ball game up here. Yeah. It really yeah. is. I mean, being on the farm and seeing the process this week. I mean, we we would have um, weather changes about f- four different weather patterns. You know, <laughs> the sun would be out and they would, you know, gear up and 
say, we got to get out there and we have to harvest. Then the rain would come and they'd have to cover up, you know, and then the sun would come out again and dry it up. And then they would have to harvest because the peonies would change throughout the whole day. I yeah, mean, the sun goes with, down at midnight. With all this, with all this intense, mm-hmm. whatever, 20-ish hours of sunlight, yeah. the, the plants are growing Rapidly. almost before your eyes. Yeah, yeah. they really were. And, yeah. you know, she had told me this before I came, and I was like, I don't really understand how it can change within a few hours. <laughs> but it does. So before coming up here in uh, this year, you I think you had worked with Alaska Peonies in, mm-hmm. in your design work in Maryland, right? Had, yeah. How did that come about? Well, um, you and I met in yeah. um, February or March of uh, 2014 um, in New York, and you were the first person I ever heard about Alaskan Peonies oh. from. Oh, okay. Um, I must have had a, f- a couple of images in my slideshow or something yes, like that. Yes, you did. You came okay. with slideshow um, about American grown and Alaskan peonies. And I remember I was just like, wait, peonies that I can get in July, August, September? I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> my brides will be happy. <laughs> yes. And I went home and I started researching these farms because you gave us a lot of great connections. Um, and I placed an order for an August bride. Mm. And it was this beautiful purple and fuchsia wedding. Mm. And um, I can't remember exactly which farm I bought from. But they shipped in, um, I think I maybe ordered 40 stems. Okay. You know, I just wanted to give it a a go just to see. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't want to order too much. Yeah, and plus Um, they're kind of a premium product. They are a premium product. Um, And for all, you know, the right reasons, um, they're a product that is highly coveted. Um, but the size and the color and the varieties, um, they deserve the prices that yeah. they have. They really do. Um, and the work that goes into it, um, I mean, it is labor intensive. But I remember walking in with the bouquet and the bride just had tears in her eyes. The fact that she was getting peonies in August, um, that was nothing that yeah. any designer or any bright ever thought she was going to get you know she sees it it on pinterest she sees it in magazines and you know they come to designers and we have to break the news we can't get that for you yeah yeah but now we can right now you have this sort of new uh like almost two three month period where you can offer that yeah to and if it's something that they that is their dream then they're gonna have to pay a higher price yeah um because the product is is worth it and the value of of it needs to be understood um your bouquet is going to be one step above because of mm-hmm. this product you made a comment last night when you were you were making some remarks during the vip reception about your you know love affair with these alaska peonies mm-hmm. and you were holding up some of the varieties that you had on display on the table mm-hmm. and talking about how they were so much larger than maybe what you would get uh, in the lower 48 just because of the way they grow up here. And that maybe the bride doesn't have to have as many of these peonies Mm -hmm. to get the look because of their scale. And you can, you can kind of justify a a more expensive flower because it's taking, uh, it's more dramatic in the bouquet. Oh yeah. Um, The peony size of some of the varieties here, like um, I think it's Dr. Brett, Dr. Brett Auer, um, is this beautiful, like, um, double 
white peony with a little bit of blush. It is three sizes of the peonies I can get in Maryland. Um, <laughs> sure. So I may just put one of those in a bridal bouquet, honestly, just so it shines right. and you see that. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe you want an entire bouquet of these um, peonies, you know, whereas I may need 20, 30 peonies before to make that really lush round bouquet. I may need only 10 stems. Right. That's a good so point. So while it'll be higher per stem, um, you may not have to buy as many, mm-hmm. or but your designs would be different. Mm-hmm. They're going to be larger. They're going to be fuller and lusher. Um, and it just changes the whole look. I feel like your product knowledge is going to be so strong now, you know, after being here for a week, that you're going to be able to um, interpret, you know, your designs in your mind thinking, well, if I use those peonies, mm-hmm. this I can communicate this to my couple or my bride, what they're going to get. Um, I think so much stronger than if you were just like looking on, uh, you know, a website of, of Alaska peonies and picking. Yeah, those are beautiful, but actually experiencing them in their fuller, fullest form. Every variety on this farm you've worked with this week. Yeah. So you have a strong, you know, sort of stronger, you're almost like now the peony whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that title. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the whole week I have been thinking, how do I convey to, you know, my network of designers and friends, like this product you need to push. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to understand like how this is going to change your designs. Mm-hmm. And why you need to sell it and push it. You know, before it's like, oh, that's a luxury product. You know, I don't really need it. You need it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it just, oh, I don't know. I just, and I'm just curious uh, now what you would recommend if you had a Saturday wedding, when would you want the peonies to arrive and how much processing uh, would you put them through to get them to that fuller size? So over the last six years and working with peonies, I've really come to the point where I need it a week in advance. Okay. I don't want to take that chance getting it the week of. Um, I've kind of seen the varieties go out this week um, as Beth packs them up. And um, I haven't had the experience really of working with them from bud form to um, full form. We, we worked with a couple mm-hmm. varieties this week, just getting things open mm-hmm. for hair flowers and right. things. And I was shocked how quickly... They popped open. Mm-hmm. You know, we brought them into the house where it was warmer. Um, and they were hard buds, um, this Duchess variety. Okay. And um, I think it took about three days okay. for them to open. Um, but that's not going to be the case with every variety. And there are some varieties that she has to wait. And um, they have to get to a certain point on the stem where um, they're almost open. You know, or there are more what I've been calling to everybody the marshmallow uh-huh. uh, phase. But then some of them have to be sent in the hard okay. stage. So um, really, it's working with the farmer and have, using the farmer's yes. knowledge to advise you. Yeah. On which okay, if you really want that color, you're going to have to order it at this point. Or something yeah. Like and that. I learned that this week that um, really trusting the farmer and and having that conversation. Look, I have a wedding on June fourteenth. I need this variety, which of those peonies is going to provide um, the highest quality that I want to provide for this client? And 
when should I get it? Mm-hmm. You know, and they should be able to tell you that. Mm-hmm. I That's mean, true. Beth can, her product knowledge is, she knows her product. I mean, she could look at, there'd be like four pink um, peonies in bud form and she could tell you every single one and she can tell you how long it would take to open and, you know, um, what care it yeah. needs. Yeah. So it's cool. really about having that relationship with your um, farmers. Um, and, and that makes the florist um, better able to sell things and better able to know what to buy is by being informed. And I think as designers, we really have to, especially if you want to use locally grown and American grown, you can't just go onto a website and just pick it. You, you got to have that relationship with either the wholesaler, your rep, or the farmer themselves um, to know more. Because yeah. I really think American grown and locally grown flowers, it's just different. Um, they, the quality, the um, extended life of the flowers, I mean, it just, it changes the way that you can design and the way that you can um, plan for your weddings. Well, I'm glad you brought that up about the relationship with the farmer because this will allow us to transition a little <laughs> bit and do maybe go go back a little bit in our relationship. When last fall, you reached out to me and we really didn't know each other that well, mm-hmm. other than you were you know involved with Slow Flowers and right. we, we had met through uh, one one meeting at Chapel, um, and you said, Deborah, I've got these photos that I've been creating with m- one of my favorite local farms that I buy from. What do you think? Would you look at them and you know help me get them published? And this turned into the most magnificent project I've ever worked on as a, as a writer to have mm-hmm. such beautiful photography uh, to narrate. And that was your Four Seasons of Local Flowers project mm-hmm. that was published in Florist Review in January. And that kind of was a, like a rebrand for you, it, it was. Uh, you know, and I want you to talk a little bit about how that project came together, who you worked with. And um, I'm guessing that was probably the most involved you were with uh, seasonal flowers for that project. Um, to that point. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the way it came about was actually um, when I was sitting in New York listening to you talk, and you were talking about the seasonal flower alliance that I think... Um, Aaron been the kind was oh, Aaron um, and uh, Jenny Love had mm-hmm. started a, a kind of an online yeah fun thing yeah and so I think it was after you were talking about um, Alaska peonies you were talking about this and I have a tendency to daydream when people are talking <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad habit but my mind just started um, thinking about what if I did. It started with a very simple idea. What if I did a um, designed a bouquet every month um, or every season from you know uh, one of my farms? And I mulled this idea over for two years, two years, and then I kept thinking about it. And I talked to um, a friend of mine who I work with, um, Katie of. Rose Gold Events. Um, she freelances for me, but she's also um, a wedding planner. And I said, I have this crazy idea. And I, it's really, you know, a lot's involved. So I don't know if anybody will come on board to me. But I was like, what if we did a year-long photo shoot at one farm um, and for every season? And she said, let's do it. I said, really? I said, you think we could get somebody... 
you know, a team to come on. She said, yeah. So I said, my original idea was that I wanted the same photographer each season. I wanted the same hair and makeup. I wanted the same, you know, the whole same team. Just maybe for visual continuity yeah, or something. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, it, what I didn't realize is that this idea would evolve and, mm-hmm. you know, I had to roll with changes yeah. and stuff. Um, and I remember, remember having that first meeting, um, and I think it was like October, November, and we sat down in a coffee shop. There was five of us. And we were so excited about this. And we were all on board, and we were talking about doing um, a table a coffee table book and then we were talking about doing a website and um we were just coming up with all our ideas and um we did the first shoot we started with um winter in december of 15 oh, 2015 yeah yeah 2015 um and then after that um you know we were starting to put together the spring one and Things with the photographer changed. Her travel plans changed, and she was going to be out of the country during the springtime. And um, the I think she was gone like June, July, and came at the end of August. But that spring, our spring was late, and you know May would not have worked mm-hmm. really well for. Um, I can't remember if the why. Something with the weather that year. Okay. That was our longest winter. That's mm-hmm. what it was. We had a super... Like, I think we had snow still at the end of April. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a hard winter. Mm-hmm. So, so there nothing, wasn't a lot of spring-looking no, flowers. Absolutely yeah. nothing. So I needed it, like, the beginning of June, and she was going to be out of the country. So Katie and I just thought, we we're like, okay, well, this changes everything because my I really was strong about it wanting to be one photographer. So we brought on another photographer, and... Um, and then I just started, you know, bringing in other people. And I said, yeah, it's hard to have people committed to a year-long project. And this was all pro bono. Everybody volunteered. Everybody right? volunteered. Everybody, um, you know, I explained why this was important to mm-hmm. me. Then I said, you know, with every email I sent that um, it was really important for me to tell the story of American flower farmers. And I wanted this to be an awakening moment for floral designers to see I can create beautiful weddings and beautiful events with an array of locally grown flowers. You know, um, it doesn't just have to be garden roses or ranunculus or, you know, Mm -hmm. all those premium fluffy flowers like celosia and mock orange and foxtail. They add just movement and texture and why not have those things um kelly your christmas one first of all you started in december which is like the biggest challenge like if you could nail december then you got the rest of the thing covered you had the way you use poinsettias Mm -hmm. and um succulents because we we should mention you partnered with leon and carol carrier Mm -hmm. of plant master farm they're greenhouse growers as well so you had access to some really great choices Mm -hmm. of basically nursery plants that you cut up and put into those arrangements too, right? And I, the big part of the project was I was forcing myself to think outside of my comfort zone and I would not allow myself to design with anything that was not there on the property Mm -hmm. that did not grow in their high tunnels, that did not grow in their greenhouse or that I could not forage on the property. So December came and there was Ilex Berry on the property, there was tons of 
cedar and, you know, beautiful greens like that. But flower-wise, it was limited. But until I started thinking differently. Yeah. And I saw that there was um, poinsettias. And Leon um, has an amazing variety of succulents. So we pulled those in. And then we also used paper whites. Oh, that's right. And yeah. the ilex berries. Um, and I'm trying to pretty soon else. you have a very lush, vivid yeah. bouquet appropriate to the season and yeah. to the place. And I and I didn't have a I didn't have a vision mm-hmm. each season. I just knew it was going to be based off what I procured from the farm. <laughs> so I would go home each season with this bucket of flowers and I would go home with a lot because I knew um I needed variety and I needed I wanted to showcase it all. Mm-hmm. So these are very large bouquets. Mm-hmm. Large bouquets aren't for everybody. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing something creative you can do that. And for photography, they really yeah, shine. They really did. Yeah. And I wanted everybody to see how much grows locally. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it just focusing on one flower. Mm-hmm. So these were chock full of different foliage, different plants, um, anything I could get my hands on there. And it was an amazing challenge and an amazing feat to do. Um and it just really forced me to think differently. Yeah. So at the end of the year, and, I, and we won't go into all the details, but you did have to change up some of the yeah. other vendors involved. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the year, you had this this four-chapter novel, basically. Mm-hmm. You're, and you, you talked about telling a story about Scenic Place. You really told a story about uh, Plant Masters. Masters. And, um, but you created little narratives about your models and mm-hmm. the couples and... Um, what was what was the backstory to why they were out in nature or on a farm? And it just was being able to write the the article and have all those wonderful little vignettes to talk about mm-hmm. made it a lot of fun. I wasn't just listing what plants you right. used. I wove in your imaginary story that you mm-hmm. had created uh, for each season. And it was just so engaging. I think, you know, I, I hope people who saw that did have the reaction that you desired, which was, oh, I don't need to rely on out-of-season flowers mm-hmm. when if I'm just creative and and willing to experiment a little bit mm-hmm. um, and and uh, not see the limitation of a season as a negative, but as a positive, which right. I think you did. Yeah, and that's so true. I think um, we put ourselves in a box and we think, okay, it's winter, I can't. You know, I'm going to have to go source from out of the country or from, you know, other places. But, you know, I walked around that farm and I looked for things. Um, I I worked with Carol and Leon and, you know, they didn't always, you know, they're not designers all the time. They do some small weddings Mm -hmm. and stuff. But they would be so surprised by some of the things I picked. I was surprised by some of the things I picked. Um, and I, you know, poinsettias, I had no idea if that was going to work. Yeah. And it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it held up really well. And I know that that was um, really eye-opening for me because poinsettias, there was, they had like these peppermint varieties and these pink varieties. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah, that palette was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but in regards to the team kind of changing mm-hmm. up, um I was upset about it at first 
But Katie kept encouraging me, like, this is good, this is good. And what I loved, um, each shoot, um, we had three different photographers. And I, at the end of it, I really reflected on it. And I, I saw that it was a really good thing. Mm. Because each photographer came in with fresh eyes. And they were just... It was an imagi- a magical experience mm-hmm. for them. And they saw all the little nuances on the farm, and they took our models in um, different places that maybe I didn't see, you know, because I'm there all the time. Um, and it told a different story. So I was telling, you know, we were telling the photographer's story. We were telling the model story. We were telling the farm story. Um, and it really just weaved. Mm beautifully Mm -hmm. um whereas i think if it was one photographer i think it would have had a very different feel Mm -hmm. i think they wouldn't have been challenged to find the different little sections of the farm that's a good point um like oh we already shot there yeah yeah but you know what now it's a different season maybe it's okay to try something different yeah yeah because in the photos i wanted there to be repetition in parts of the farm because the farm is constantly changing. Yeah. You know, and it was four seasons. So maybe in this, you know, they had this back row where there was um, snowball viburnum and lilac um, on one side. And, um, you know, in the winter it was barren mm-hmm. and um, it was really beautiful. But mm-hmm. then come spring, you know, the blooms were so lush. So in the winter it created this very um, kind of, hidden forest like you know um desolate area um so when we put her back there with all the red colors in her bouquet it really popped but in the spring when we went back there um you saw it differently yeah it it just changed the feeling um yeah so that was really cool and it was neat it was it was like kind of telling like a a movie Mm -hmm. you know in a way like um Yes, it was sort of the, the, the story arc yeah. carried from the beginning of the year to the end. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, that how has that kind of experience changed your wedding and design business? We haven't really talked about your, you know, what Petals by the Shore does and what your philosophy is. I mean, um, well, my philosophy is constantly changing. Um, it's becoming stronger. You know, I kind of spent the first five years of this business. Um, it was something I just kind of fell into. Um, I've always been a creative person and I always knew that I wanted to do something creative. I just didn't know what Mm -hmm. until I turned 30. Um, and the first five years of this, I just kind of took any business that came at me, but I always was drawn back to my farmer's market and Olney, um, to Leon and, um, Dave Dowling's farm and, um, Maggie and Mark's farm. There were three farms that, you know, we're there every week. And I started doing the farm-to-table dinners with them. Um, and even though I was, you know, just kind of building my business and just taking any wedding that came at me, I constantly wanted to source from them as much as I could. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, maybe it was only I bought hydrangea that week or mm-hmm. um, maybe I just wanted some ranunculus. But I wanted some little piece each week. Um and of then, your place. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted something local because I loved that I could see it and touch it and that I know I knew who grew it. Um, and then as I got more involved, I would ask them questions like, you know, 
what do you think in November I'm going to be able to work mm-hmm. with? You know, and they can sort of predict mm-hmm. what they're going to have, but obviously, as we know, weather changes everything. So um, I really learned to adapt and um, educate my brides. Like, cafe au lait's are hot commodity, and Leon and Carol have nailed the <laughs> cafe au lait growing. Um, but you know, it kind of ended early. Mm. Um, some years, if we had an early frost, and you know, that's devastating, mm-hmm. not just to them as farmers losing a lot of revenue, but you know, the brides too. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the name of the game and you, you have to roll with it. So I learned as, as, um, in my selling to my brides, like, this is what we're going to aim for, mm-hmm. but we need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. And so it was about educating my clients. It was about educating myself. Um, and it was also about helping educate my flower farmers of, of what my needs were mm-hmm. and, you know, working together for what things would I want to grow, mm-hmm. you know, that they could buy. And then also I really wanted to connect them with other designers in the area. Um, so on social media, you know, I just really pushed it and um, they have been just flooded with request you know for their dahlias and peonies and and it's brought i see on um instagram all the time i see different designers just out at their farm touring it and buying from them and that has brought me so much joy that's great it's not like you were trying to keep this secret source all to yourself no i don't i mean why i agree because if they don't have a lot of customers buying from them it's gonna be hard for them to sustain Mm -hmm. that farm yeah so you're it's in your own self-interest to help other designers discover them. Yeah. I I think that in the floral world, it, um, tips and um, sources should be shared. Yeah. I mean, that's it, easy to say in my area because mm-hmm. I live in a large area where there is a lot of weddings and it's um, a place that people come back to. So there's a lot of work for everybody. Okay. And there's a lot of designers, but you may go to somewhere like where I came from um, and East Central Illinois, where there's three designers and they're all vying for the same client. Mm. And so it's it's a different mm-hmm. game there. Mm-hmm. Um, you just happen to be based in a uh, like highly densely populated yeah. um, s- affluent area where mm-hmm. people want to spend on their weddings. Yeah. Well, that's good. So it's a it's a unique it's a unique opportunity and um, sort of bubble that we live in. Where yeah, can you want to talk just briefly about when you can't buy from a local farmer? How you're doing your other sourcing and what what your relationship mm-hmm. is with, with like the conventional wholesaler? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I've bought from Potomac Floral for the last six years, um, and I have becoming more involved with locally grown and American grown. I force myself when I go in there to look for the labels. Um, Potomac's done a really great job um, where when you walk into their huge cooler, there's a whole local um, grown section. And so I don't know the exact farms that they come from, but I know that it is. But they're they're making an attempt to to segregate all the local products. So at least you have a trust level Mm -hmm. about that. I do. And then, you know, um, the sleeves of American grown flowers, or um, now that I know a lot of the farmers um, and I see their logo, I know you know, I am insured that I'm buying an American grown product or um, a locally grown product. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's forcing myself to 
to educate myself about who's growing it um, and to say, okay, I that's what I'm going to buy instead of this that's from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but also um, with Delaware Valley, mm-hmm. I um, you know met Tim Dewey. He came and um, to the first ladies luncheon and jumped right in and you know um, was part of the team with us. And we had a really good conversation um, about buying. And he you know really encouraged me go on our website like and see we you can see where your flowers are coming from the origin of you know, your roses. And um, he said, and if you want American grown flowers or you want locally grown flowers, tell your rep. And so when I'm placing my orders, I'll say, I want stock and I want that. You know, I know that that's California grown right now. So Mm -hmm. that's the only stock I want. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I get tulips from New Jersey? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and yes, I'm still sourcing, you know, from South America and other countries for standard roses and Mm -hmm. things. Um, But I am changing that more and more so that I can bring in and only design with things here in America. But that's possible not only from your... It's it's happening not only because you're asking for it, but that the at least these two wholesalers that you described in your region are recognizing that that's a service to provide to the florist. And so they're, they're kind of changing their game a little bit to make, to respond to that. Yeah. And I have conversations with them about bringing in more. um, And I think that they're hearing Mm -hmm. where the designers are more vocal about it. The ones that are wanting to buy and they're asking for it. So they're responding to the need for, for this. And, um, and I really value that. Yeah. So that's great. That's exciting. And before we wrap up, I can't just let this conversation end without talking about the First Lady's Luncheon that happened in May that mm-hmm. Certified American Grown has um, provided flowers for the Congressional Clubs event now for the second year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get, get to go this year, but I was so excited that. Um, you were part of the design team and kind of a key point person with the Congressional Club mm-hmm. because you were there in the D.C. area. What was that experience like um, for from a design point of view? Well, I mean, it was the scale was insane, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, largest event that I've ever been a part of. Um, there were 2,100 guests. We had 175 tables plus a 64-foot um, head table. We had a runway um, we had multiple smaller area, cocktail areas and VIP reception. Um, it was a lot of pieces. And it was we had 18,000 stems of certified American-grown flowers that were shipped in. Um, it was an incredibly unique and challenging experience. Um, but I couldn't have done it without the support of other designers that believe in this movement. Um, when I decided to come on, I reached out to um just my closest friends mm-hmm. and said hey i need you um mm-hmm. i can't do this alone you know i don't have a huge staff i have freelancers that work for me um i don't have a big studio i work out of my garage um and it works for me mm-hmm. and i you know i do larger weddings that are manageable in my space but i sure don't do 2100 person events so we designed on site um and 
the we at a hotel par- like a conference room or mm-hmm. ballroom or something, right? Yeah, yeah, the hotel where the um, luncheon was gave us two rooms for three days, and we processed the flowers there. Um, we pr- we lived there for three days, um, and we worked with the hotel um, who was. They were so accommodating um, because of this relationship mm-hmm. with the Congressional Club mm-hmm. and um, and then the relationship that we've developed with Congressional Club. Um, and it was so unique that because last year, you know, um, the flowers just kind of showed up mm-hmm. and, you know. They be- weren't designed on site. No, yeah. and they were, they're beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like any other event, you know, like, oh, there's the flowers. But they got to see how much work goes into it and the amount of flowers that it takes to create this. And um, I think that was a really unique and special experience for everybody. And I invited them back. I'm like, you know, because they didn't want to bother us. And I said, no, 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 come back. It's like the catering crew and that sort of thing or the managers? Everybody. Mm. I mean, anybody that, you know, they had set up little curtains for us. Our mess wasn't obtrusive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... Um, they would kind of come back, and I'd invite them, mm-hmm. come back, see it, meet the people, you know, who are putting this together. Mm-hmm. Because we had um, the two other main designers. <clears throat> Christy Holsey is from Georgia, and Margaret Lloyd is from California. Um, but we had Beth and Kurt from mm-hmm. Alaska. We had um, Jimmy Lore and um, Rose from Philadelphia, uh, from Pittsburgh. We had Mary-Kate from Rhode Island, Um we had a lot of local designers from Maryland, D.C., Virginia. Um, a few other people from Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Oh, yes. Georgia brought up mm-hmm. um, a bunch. I mean, we had people from all over the country. The Midwest. Somebody from oh, yeah. Illinois. Illinois. Um, yeah. Yes, and Nancy from Illinois. So oh, you had goodness. a real, like, cross-section of people who just showed up with this is willingness to be a part of yeah. it. And, um, and a lot of skills too. I mean, you were, you had yeah. skilled designers who were helping, which probably that was made it go more smoothly too. Yeah. And people that were willing to work hard, mm-hmm. um, knew that it was going to be long days and long hours and, um, that their bodies were going to hurt, but the joy that they had and the satisfaction that they knew without thinking they were going to get any recognition just for the pure, um, reason that they wanted to be part of the bigger picture. Wow. Well, the photos tell that story too. And we have, you have beautiful photos because one of your off frequent collaborators, mm-hmm. his sister team came and shot. So yeah. maybe we can share some of the photos that haven't been uh, published yet on the show notes for today's oh, episode. I would love to. Is yeah. That... Susie and Becky are um, a sister-in-law team. And oh, sister-in-law. Okay. Yeah. They spent three days with us um, and just getting all the behind the scenes photos. And again, it's about telling a story mm-hmm. and helping people understand and just allowing them to come into our world mm-hmm. and see it and understand mm-hmm. just with the flower farmers, like how much work goes into these things. It's not just us taking pretty flowers and popping them in a vase, you know, <laughs> it's from seed to the table. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And that story has been uh, kind of erased from the consciousness of the floral industry for so long. And it's so exciting for us to be part of reconnecting people with mm-hmm. where these flowers are, are originated and who were the, you know, who, whose hands grew them. And right. to me, it's so holistic and, and affirming to have that kind of point of view yeah. in the floral industry. And I know you're 
you're doing that every day in your own work with your clients mm-hmm. and um, with guests who sit at tables at either the Congressional Club or Homer, Alaska. Yeah. And it's really, it's really fun to watch. It, it's been a, a spiritual experience um, because it taps into every emotion and, mm. um, and it's connects to all your senses. I mm. mean, you can't walk away from these experiences and not just moved and, mm-hmm. and wanting to have those relationships with the flower farmers and wanting to use their product for the fact that you know the quality and you see how hard they work to grow it um, and to provide a quality product. So well, and then that, that, that alone el- for me. That, that elevates your work then mm-hmm. because it you it me- has more meaning. Yeah. Than just something out of a bucket. Exactly. Or a box I open mm-hmm. and and it's I don't know the story. Yeah. Well, we have to end. Thank you so much, oh, Kelly Shore. Thank you, Deborah. It's- thank you for being here this week and pitching in and <laughs> wrapping bouquets and just being the moral support and a cheerleader. So oh. thank you. Oh, it's been a blast. And I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time and selfishly I thought I'm going to wait till Alaska so we can record this Good in person. Good place to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. And we're going to show, uh, share a, a whole gallery of photos of Kelly's work a lot that we've discussed on the podcast and, of course, links to all her social places. So if you haven't met Kelly, sure, you can meet her um, online because she's, she's active and she'll probably follow you back. I will. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. again for joining me today and sharing in Kelly's enthusiasm about American grown flowers from Maryland to Alaska and everywhere between and be sure to follow her on social media I'll have all the links to her social places at today's show notes I invite you to share your story too I'd love to hear it you can find more stories about floral designers and farmer florists in the inaugural issue of the slow flowers journal print edition now out in the August issue of florist review Look for the August issue at Floral Supply Syndicate and your local wholesale florist, or take advantage of the special subscription offer that Florist Review has shared with us, 12 issues for $21, which is 62% off the cover price. I promise you, you'll find inside each Slow Flowers journal, our mini magazine, the stories, news, and resources important to you. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 217,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. Thank you to our family of sponsors. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. 
Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at lfgardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.